0: Hello, everyone, and we're back. Welcome back to the uh, uh, Uncultured Cinematic Universe. That's what we are. (laughs) Each episode, we take a look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured, unsullied, unwashed who's never seen it before until now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We're your hosts, Justin and Joe, and today we'll be talking about the 2010 psychological horror flick that is Black Swan. Now, as a reminder, you can watch us on YouTube or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the like. Just search for The Uncultured Cinematic Universe. And please remember to like, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out and gets us into the ears and eye holes of new people, just like you guys. Uh, Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram, at UCU Podcast for all the latest happenings and whatnot. And also, big shout out. To Ryan, our new social media manager or social Ryan. media, doing her thing, you know, doing a really great job. Uh, getting the engagement up is what we want.
1: She is doing stuff with Instagram stories that could be considered an art form.
0: That we could never. We could never,
1: you know. Justin, I think I still stand by what I said when we came out of the theater after watching Black Swan. a uh, this is going to be a short episode. There's just not enough to talk about with this movie.
0: Yeah, what else what else is there to talk about? It's like it's Natalie Portman and this we're done. just
1: plain and simple. It's following like a simple three-act structure that's been like passed down as one of the great stories for generations. I I don't know what to say here.
0: Yeah, Black Swan is based on like uh, Kramer versus Kramer, which I think is like a, a
1: children's movie.
0: Right. It's based on like Old Testament stories. It's really great. Um <laughs> But yeah, so we're talking about Black Swan. We're gonna unearth a whole Pandora's box worth of mommy issues through this one and, and all kinds
1: of madness, but what what a mommy in this movie, what a mommy, I want to get into the Barbara of it all.
0: Shout out to Barbara Hershey, Barbara Hershey (laughs) killing it in this role. So let's talk about the, the theme for a little bit, Joe, we are sitting on Saturday, June 3rd. And what does June mean across America? It's pride month. You may have noticed you may have noticed we we did the thing. We leaned into the the rainbow marketing and we got a new logo.
1: It's cool. See here at UCU, we don't we don't care about what our sponsors say. We're we're gonna celebrate pride even if it costs us millions. So you're welcome. Yep, that's right. Uh fuck you if you don't. Um this is great. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so it's pride.
0: And so we're taking a look at uh, queer cinema. Mm -hmm. and movies with um really complex uh social societal things to talk about and things like that so this was my choice this was black swan this was a movie that joe had never seen before Mm -hmm. um and then as it was the stars aligned again this movie played in person in our uh local
1: atlanta theater at the plaza theater and we got to go see it in person and it was great Plaza has kind of become like the UCU go-to for movies we want to cover. Like, um, it's, it's surprising it's coming soon.
0: Yeah, you know this could just turn into the Plaza podcast, <sighs> essentially. Maybe I don't know. Shout out to the the Plaza Theater. well,
1: our people will call your people. The good folks at the Plaza. We love them. It's a great theater. We we saw this movie in there. I can't remember the name. They, they give each of their theaters like a guy's name. Yeah. Um, uh, we saw this one in the upstairs one, which has like maybe 20 seats in it. It was like I told you it was like watching it in like a, a home uh, theater. Yeah. Like mansion theater or whatever. It yeah. was very intimate. It was very fun. It was kind of just like projected on the wall. Yeah, it felt, you know, it, exactly like that. We were at
0: somebody's basement yeah. uh, surrounded by our friends, but we didn't talk to anybody because we don't do that.
1: But um You could tell it was like a cool group of people watching with us. Like it was a cool thing to do to watch Black Swan on like a Wednesday or something. Yeah, at six thirty in the afternoon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it was great. So yeah, so um this was my choice. I had originally wanted to do a different movie. I want to hear about this. I wanna hear We were going to do Interview with the Vampire. Right? So I wanted to come at it. Uh, from a bisexual's point of view, mm-hmm. uh, find a film that Joe had never seen before um, a- and a movie that kind of stands out as like bi culture, you know, that in- mm-hmm. elicited uh, immense bi panic. Across- and I had already
1: seen The Mummy, so we couldn't have done that. We couldn't
0: do that. And then there's like a couple other ones, uh, but are just like that are just staples. But Interview with the Vampire was going to be the one. But then. Checking on Instagram, we saw on the calendar that Black Swan was coming out. And I was like, "Oh, that movie is you know, uh, uh, it's really dark. It's right up my alley, obviously. Um, but it's it's sapphic. It is you know, uh, there's there's all kinds of undertones to it. And I was like, okay, that's 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 a better switch. We'll do that, and I'll pro- we'll probably do interview with the vampire later in the year for spooky. Season. So we'll do that. So that's where we landed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had never seen Black Swan. It's it's kind of interesting. This, this parallels a, a movie that we did previously um, when we were talking about our Oscars miniseries. So your pick for that miniseries was The Social Network. And this actually is part of that same Oscars year. So yep. um, Black Swan was kind of Um, not like his first Aronofsky's first Oscar movies, but it was kind of his, his biggest Oscars hit from what I can read to date. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, no, uh, not, maybe not to date, like his most recent movie that he did earlier this year with the Brendan Fraser and the whale, the whale. um, Yeah. Also got a ton of Oscar buzz and that kind of stuff. So yeah, so he's been in the circuit for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've always loved, uh, Aronofsky flicks, um, the very first thing that I saw from him was Requiem for a Dream. And we talked about mm. this earlier and you, you haven't have seen a it one. Yeah. Right. It's a, just a joyful movie. Um, but yeah, we talked about that before we went in to go see it. And you're like, I don't think I want to watch that. And, uh, I agree. <laughs> it's one of those movies that like, you just watch once, maybe twice and you're good. You're good. Um,
1: yeah, I don't even think we can put that in the guise of like a queer cinema movie. That one's just like deep and dark hole. cinema. It's- it's just fucked up cinema.
0: It, it's wild. One day I'll make you watch it, and we'll just appreciate it for what it is. But we won't talk about it on on air. Uh, yeah, spooky Halloween season coming up. <laughs> it is spooky in a very real, dark, horrifying sense.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, after,
0: yeah. After that, I saw uh,
1: The Fountain. Did you ever see The Fountain? That was the one Aronofsky I have seen. Um, yeah. So I, I randomly saw The Fountain like growing up as a kid. Didn't really get it but I I mean I think we were just like a big Hugh Jackman household at the time who wasn't who wasn't <laughs> um but that one's more I guess it's it's not really a horror movie it's not even that dark it's more just about like um themes carrying backward and forward across time and through generations and lifetimes and stuff
0: yeah it's like a time travel sort of but also like sci-fi epic And Mm -hmm. it's, it's fantastic. And yeah, that, so those were like the first two kind of like earlier touch points I had for Aronofsky and he is a filmmaker, you know, he is an auteur. He, all of his movies feel to me kind of similar. Like how we talked with before about, um, uh, I think during the, the social network, uh, the social network of it all, you know, Mm -hmm. we have these directors that like you could look at these movies that feel like they're, a part of the same universe, and Aronofsky does that really,
1: really well. Yeah, Aronofsky's a little freaky boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's you. You can always be guaranteed something little freaky's about to happen, and it's it's not overt but he's got his subtle use of cgi to kind of uh create like an uneasy feeling throughout most of his films and especially in black swan yeah um i i really loved how um computer generated uh uh, bits were used in this movie as you kind of like track um natalie portman's character nina's uh dissension into lunacy uh in terms of like her own body horror versus like the, the doppelgangers that she keeps seeing in the world around yeah. her as she pursues perfection and ultimately destroys herself in the process.
0: It's great. It's such an interesting journey that she takes. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the portment of it all, the supporting mm-hmm. cast, and then these giant themes that emerge uh, throughout the movie. But um, yeah, so when I first came to see this one and I told you this, as soon as we walked into the, to the plaza, I'm pretty sure I saw Black Swan at the Plaza in 2010 or 2011. Right, very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, It 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 needs that kind of indie theater feel, I think, Mm -hmm. to to fully immerse yourself in it. Um, Yeah,
1: seeing Black Swan at a Regal, it's just like eh.
0: it's not the same. You don't want you want like those borderline uncomfortable old school classic theater seats. You don't want the recliner. You don't want the the fancy hot dog with chips and dip on the side. You want like a shitty. Bag of popcorn. Yeah, you want to be sitting up straight so you can pay attention to this film.
1: You want to feel a little dirty and freaky. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's exactly what Aronofsky wanted. That, that was his pull quote. <laughs> it's on the back of the DVD. It says like, "I want you to feel dirty and freaky along with <laughs> me. It's pride, after all. Um,
1: Aronofsky, twenty
0: ten. Oh yeah, I was blown away when I first saw this movie of just how just gorgeous mm-hmm. the movie is shot. The um, and the sets are very stark and deliberately. Um,
1: decorated right it's a very black white and brown movie obviously black and white are very much the themes of this movie down to like the clothing that they're wearing Um, the I it's in New York yes like we're assuming it's in New York the bits of New York you see look disgusting it's always like they're running through like scaffolding and like the rain and mud Um, and other than that it's like just gray landscapes of like ballet um, dance studios with mirrors on every surface mirrors yeah. everywhere mirrors this this movie is the prequel to the key for sutherland franchise mirrors <laughs> With um, a little known fact a little
0: known fact right here you heard it here first <laughs> um yeah i love the the, the cinematography uh mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure this movie was nominated for best cinematography
1: uh at the I've, 83rd i've got it pulled up i was actually looking at like the awards of it all um while we were talking so A little little bit of an Oscars corner. uh, Yeah. Harkening back to our April. Um, This movie was nominated for five Academy Awards, um, which is big. Uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress. Obviously, Natalie Portman, this is her win for Best Actress. Took it. Um, uh, Best Cinematography, like you're Mm -hmm. saying, and then Best Film Editing. And those those two technical ones, I, I would agree, kind of fit this movie best. There's definitely like a... There's a handheld uh, feel yes. to the camera that makes you feel crazy. Oh um, god, it's it's
0: bit. it's not quite nausea-inducing, but mm-hmm. it is very. Um, it, it kind of goes along with the the kind of look and feel that I love with movies of kind of like voyeuristic. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like you really are walking, like just right behind her. And those walking tracking shots where she's just walking everywhere. I love those shots so much.
1: I've never seen a house that is essentially just one big hallway, but that's like where her and her mom live. They Mm -hmm. they live in a hallway that has uh, other hallways leading off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the camera is very much following slash stalking the characters in this movie. Um, It's almost like, like it's like you're saying it's like peeking out behind things Mm -hmm. um it's 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 very much the idea it 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 leads to um uh a paranoia that uh natalie portman is clearly (laughs) yeah
0: it's it's really tense too um and i and i think he accomplishes that really well in a lot of his movies um they're not like these grand giant you know 30 foot ceiling apartments or whatever they're really it's really small and it's kind of uh, suffocating it at some points in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm thinking of you know her mom and uh, and her's apartment. It's very claustrophobic in a way. The the rooms are very small. It's it's tiny, just a long high hallway. And then uh, I think it's like in the basement or whatever of the of the dance studio. It's like underground with like those cement walls and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it feels really dark and kind of just like it's oppressive. Well, and it's, that adds to
1: it. I mean we we close read movies all the time but you can read into the fact that like the rooms only look bigger whenever there's mirrors present and it's like reflecting this like endless idea mm-hmm. but it's it's like a There's a fakeness to it. There is uh, a lie there where it's you're actually this character is like super enclosed and in a cage, but it feels like a a large open space. Um, Yeah. So it's it's very much this world that she's in is closing in on her uh, as she strives to manage these dual roles. Ooh. I love it, Joe. Oh, Good
0: read. Good read on let's you. Let's
1: write fucking papers. Forget this podcast. I don't. I don't want to.
0: Should we just be academics? Yes. I love it. Great. We're gonna right. publish
1: a zine. A zine. It's a zine.
0: A zine. <laughs> yeah, it's like magazine. Magazine. You know? uh, a couple other things I wanted to touch on before we get to just like some some stats. So this mm-hmm. movie reminds me of several other films. Um, did you ever see Whiplash? No, 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 no. Another stressful movie. I have heard. Yeah, so yeah. I haven't seen it either. But from the clips I've seen and highlights and stuff, it feels totally the same vibe, right? It's,
1: it's very much like the, the the striving for perfection and yeah. the, the unending hill that you're on trying to get there.
0: Yeah, and then just like the hell that your mentor or teacher just puts you through. Just the mental mm-hmm. anguish and breakdown, that kind of stuff. I would love to go back and watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll do a follow-up. We'll do a, a, a UCU Reacts, and we'll just just do that one.
1: Well, I mean, um, we've been we've been talking about we're listeners. We are figuring out some sort of like mini episode esque type structure that kind of exists outside of the world of our miniseries. Um, so we'll 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 keep folks posted.
0: Yeah, that. yeah. We just keep earmarking earmark- all these things. You know, it's just content for days.
1: Yeah, well, there, there are movies and even TV shows and other types of media that we want to review uh, and talk about, but maybe not within our regular uh, structure.
0: Yeah, who knows? It could be a whole new podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, starting from the ground up. Who knows? Or we just change this one. I don't know. Anyway, so another one, in doing my research, uh, apparently this movie is a very close cousin to another one of Aronofsky's movies,
1: The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. And I know you said you didn't see that one either, right? I know of it Also through the lens of the Oscars, so that's like Mickey Rourke almost wins an Oscar, and then like Marissa Tomei's in Mm -hmm. there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's typically how I've experienced Aronofsky's movies. Like the reason I know Black Swan is it's it's Portman's Oscar and it's Kunis's almost nomination.
0: Yeah, but she did some Golden Globes. Yeah, we'll get there. Or she didn't. She did a lot
1: of it. No. I want to talk about, like, who maybe pushed her out of the Oscars. Oh, yeah, let's get there.
0: (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so apparently, so he did The Wrestler a couple years before doing Black Swan. Mm -hmm. And it's same kind of themes, really, of, like, putting pressures on a performer, even though one is, you know, light, dainty... Uh, upper echelon kind of thing when you think of performers uh, of Black Swan. And, <laughs> and the other one is Natalie Portman in Black Swan. Um, yeah, it's like a grimy underground has been wrestler kind of thing. <laughs> but it's the same kind of story of like mm-hmm. seeing someone try to strive for perfection or reach their best, but it's the, they get in their own way, they get in their own head, and they kind of just destroy themselves at the
1: end. It's also, um, it's it's very much about how the mental breakdown in the mental straining can't help but be reflected in the physical as well like it, it becomes like a body horror bit as well like as her body like physically starts to fall apart or transform in ways that she can't seem to control yes absolutely yeah um one other movie that this reminded me of just
0: in a sense uh i don't know if you saw the 2018 remake of suspiria starring dakota johnson
1: no, but I've listened to um, a, a podcast about that. I listened to a podcast called um, "This Had Oscar Buzz," which is where they talk about movies that like almost, uh, well, literally had Oscar buzz but weren't ultimately nominated for Oscars. And they they really dove into the 2018 *Suspiria*.
0: Yeah, that movie rules. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a dance kind of thing, but that's really where the similarities end. It goes off the rails into horrorville and fucked upville. Um, but it's still kind of like mystery, darkness, dancing, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but it's really cool. We should we should check that one out as well. Well, it's,
1: it's these filmmakers, whenever whenever you're exploring the world of ballet, it's never going to be like a lighthearted rom-com in any way. It's, it's these people just like breaking their bodies to achieve what we would call perfection in this case because like ballet is so precise. You're supposed yeah. to be like... Almost like a machine in the way you move. Um, And so that is obviously present in Natalie Portman's character at the beginning of this film. And then the entire conflict of this movie is someone telling her to veer away from that. Like all this stuff that you've worked for your entire life, that's not what I'm looking for. I want you to show some humanity, show like let go a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's the equivalent of a graphic. So I'm a graphic designer or Mm -hmm. I have a graphic design background creating branding and stuff like that when a client comes back and you have the precise pixels down to where it needs to be and they come back and they say can you make it pop <laughs> and you're like what the fuck does that even mean you know give like, it a little more soul yeah it needs some zhuzh um, i don't
1: want to fuck that logo uh and that's an issue <laughs>
0: absolutely um To pull exactly from uh, Vincent Castle. Yeah. Would you fuck that logo? (laughs) Neither would I. Like, so weird. Um, But it's the same kind of thing of, like, she is a technically proficient, perfect dancer, but she Mm -hmm. lacks the inhibition of the soul and the, um, I don't know, earnestness, the honestness.
1: Well, it's. Yeah, I, I, I like how they frame it, too. It's like uh, this Tomas uh, leader of the ballet guy, Vincent Cassell, um, comes in, and he's wanting to move on from the the older ways of Swan Lake and the the Winona rider of it all. Winona, oh my God. Winona. Um, and get into more of like a new interpretation, which includes less precision and more emotion he wants to make the audiences feel things he wants to make ballet sexy again Mm -hmm. and nina's like i always thought it was beautiful but i i don't know how to be sexy and there's so much queerness in there where we should we should have a little bit of like a queer corner here um and we We
0: absolutely will don't you worry about it um so let's do this let's jump into the trailer let's get a look at this let's get into the the mindset and the vibe Mm mm-hmm I'll hit you with some numbers and we'll we'll go from there. So let's let's see what we got. Hope the sound works this time. Oh my god. Nice.
1: I had the craziest dream last night about a girl who was turned into a swan. But her prince falls for the wrong girl and she kills herself. He promised to feature me more this season. Well he should. You've been there long enough and you're the most dedicated dancer in the company. Our new swan queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers.
0: I'm Lily. You're gonna be amazing.
1: Watch the way she moves. Sensual. She's not faking it. Seduce us! Attack it! Attack it! Come on! Where'd you get these? It's nothing. You sweet girl. Feel my touch. Respond to it. So it was hot for teacher. I don't want to talk about that. We really need to relax. It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. What's she doing here? He made me your alternate. The only person standing in your way is you.
0: He's after you. Please believe me. Sweet girl, sweet girl. What, what happened, happened to my sweet girl? girl. She's gone! She's gone.
1: dude that's a great trailer it
0: is it's so it it kind of
1: covers covers it all yeah it
0: paints the right picture which you want it's creepy it's personal it's great Mm -hmm. so yeah so black swan released december 3rd 2010 directed as we said by darren aronofsky starring natalie portman vincent castle mila kunis barbara hershey winona Ryder, Mm, and of course dare we forget a baby sebastian Stan. Oh my god, when he came on screen. And you're like, oh, as I live and breathe. <laughs> Sebastian. <laughs> Look at him. Sebastian. Uh what a guy. Uh thirteen million dollar budget, very small. Mm-hmm. and twenty eight point four million worldwide. This was a this was a fucking hit. A slam dunk, yeah. as they say in the sports world, you know? And like we already touched on, five uh nominations at the eighty third Academy Awards four nominations at the 68th golden globes Mm -hmm. portman also took best actress for that one
1: yeah this is kind of uh portman's sweeping for the year basically like you you get oscar um years where people are kind of battling it out up to the very last um night uh but for this one I, i i don't think there was much uh contest for who would win best actress
0: yeah going back to the the academy awards we touched on this earlier the Best Film Editing that Mm -hmm. that Black Swan was nominated for. The Social Network took that one. There's the connection. There we go. This is what this podcast is all about. It's about making connections. The other other categories they were nominated for at the Golden Globes were Best Picture, Drama, Best Supporting Actress, Mila Kunis, Mm -hmm. and Best Director for Darren Aronofsky.
1: Very it's cool. kind of a rare. It's it's a rare horror nomination for the Academy and the Globes and all of this. They don't usually like honor horror in this way, but it's also kind of a secret horror movie.
0: Yeah, it's not um, quite too far. It's got tinges of horror. It's more thriller and psychological mm-hmm. um, fuckery stuff. And and you know, to some, that is more scary than some of the cheaper. Some people would say of like cheaper horror movie kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it's for most of the movie, it's about kind of like a an artist's pursuit of perfection and how it's just like tearing them apart from the inside, which, you know, we've seen in a few different movies. But then there are elements of literal jump scares uh, in certain cases. And again, that kind of leads into like the paranoia that she's feeling. Um, But I I, I do want to get into like just the, the, the parallels in story between, there's almost like three different layers of it that you can read into. Oh, absolutely. There's obviously like they're doing a ballet, the Swan Lake, um, which is a familiar story. It's um, there's the naive white Swan. There's the more sensual dark Swan. And there's these men characters kind of throwing her around and corrupting her across the stage. Um, So she's tasked with um, playing both of these characters While in her real life, um, she has replaced um, Winona Ryder, and then Mila Kunis rises as this more sensual, free-spirited rival who has, like, more control over her sexuality, her emotions, while being less precise as a dancer. And then if you zoom out even more and think about, like, the Winona Ryder of it all, like, in real life, outside of this movie, this is A bit of a Winona comeback I would say absolutely uh, it was after years of um, kind of being ostracized from Hollywood a little bit after she had like legal troubles and then you think of like Natalie overtaking the spotlight from Winona I'm not saying like they have beef no they don't yeah but like you think of like that handoff happening in the same way as this uh prima ballerina handoff is happening in the movie
0: yeah it's great it's wild that's a really great read it's too. great
1: casting like it, whenever you see like awards for casting like this is uh, it's this is a great way to think about it is like what do these actors themselves as human beings stand for mm-hmm. and how can you kind of like play that into the film
0: definitely yeah they, they it's it's a small cast the at least the the top build ones but mm-hmm. damn it they all play together so so well mm-hmm. um yeah, let's, let's jump into that. I'll go ahead and consider that like your plot. You kind of just described the plot in a you're way. Just, you're easing it up on me this time around. I'm easing it up on you. I'm closing my phone. I'm not even going to open up. I'm the so glad
1: because I, I would have floundered trying to describe this plot.
0: You just would have talked about the cake that her mom brings her. Oh, my like, God. Sorry. Okay, so let's, let's jump into that. Let's talk about the antagonists mm-hmm. of the film, right? Okay, let's start there. Let's start at the top where it always starts with the mother. With your mother, we'll start there. You're killing your mother. Barbara Hershey, what a piece of work. like a shark in this movie. She's had some work done. It looks like she stays at the top of her game, but damn it. She plays that part so
1: well, you know? So Um, in, in the plot of it all, she is Natalie Portman's quote unquote, supportive mother who she lives with uh, in this movie, who gave up her own ballerina career way back when she had Natalie Portman as a baby and kind of translates the guilt of that into pushing, uh, Natalie Portman to be the best, um, while also very much having like a emotionally abusive and sometimes physically abusive relationship. You can, uh, there's evidence like Natalie Portman used to maybe cut herself a little bit. Um, and, uh, she is uh, manipulative. Um, Barbara Hershey's character is manipulative to the point of, like, making Natalie rely on her for things, but also, like, supportive in the way that she wants her to do her best. It's it's a it's very uh, a toxic crazy relationship. Idea.
0: Toxic relationship. We'll talk about this later in the themes of just, like, just mm-hmm. mental health and mental... Um, disorders and things that are present throughout the movie that's a big thing that that shows up here too mm-hmm. but yeah so Robert Hershey the mother over manipulative gaslighting mental anguish inducing which leads yes. into their code turn
1: on a second you know like yeah. uh, they're having a great time and then she doesn't want to eat the cake and it's immediately oh you hate me I'm gonna throw this out
0: yeah right and you're just like uh-oh uh that's not good but like mm-hmm. I immediately the first time I saw this and then even this too this 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 nth time seeing it the opening scene you know they're at their apartment and she serves her breakfast she serves Nina breakfast and it's just a half of a grapefruit mm-hmm. and it's like uh-oh, uh oh this doesn't feel this doesn't feel right like it's cool like uh, extenuating circumstances or whatever you try to put yourself in the moment and you're like okay it's fine if she's still living with her mom they're supporting one another maybe something happened you know that kind of stuff but you immediately kind of shove that out the window and you're like, oh, this is a codependent
1: relationship that, that yeah. we're missing. They they both try to play it off like it's Gilmore girls and their best friends when really the mom is controlling every aspect of her life and monitoring her like the government. Like <laughs> Natalie Portman's fucking flip phone in this movie is basically just a one way line with her mom. Her mom's the only person who calls her and she calls her constantly.
0: Yeah. And it's just it's uh, it's just <laughs> Anguish inducing. It's so much that like you see this relationship happening. You're just like, Man, you want so much more for Natalie because you can see that she is this really talented, strong-willed type of individual, but like her mom just has her claws in her, you know? It's
1: it's a jump scare every time a phone rings.
0: Um, yeah, it's like, oh god, mom's calling. Ah. Eh. So like you can obviously tell that her mom was the one who pushed Nina into dancing. Mm-hmm. Surely it wasn't her idea. Of course not. And it just has that perfect setting for the environment of codependency like we're already talking about of you know she had to give up her dancing career to have nina Mm -hmm. she had to put her life on hold
1: and she's living vicariously through her and and it's just completely stunted her which which leads to um the the entire basis for this movie nina uh is is a perfect and professional and experienced and talented dancer but she talks like a child she kind of acts like a child she lives in this child bedroom with her mother she has these dolls and stuff, and this, yeah. this this black swan role is what opens her up, but it becomes uh kind of too much to handle in like the the weekend that this movie takes place in. Like how how long is this? It's probably several weeks, you know, to <laughs> the auditions and stuff. But it
0: feels either. it feels like one wild weekend at mom's. No, it's um yeah, like the the one of the beginning scenes towards the, the front when uh dina's going to bed and her mom is in there like stroking her hair mm. and getting tucking her into bed and winding up the the ballerina stand. like it's so just like oh uh, it's creepy it's heartbreaking
1: it's, it's all very clawy it's all very like i'm touching you but kind of in an ownership way yeah and then, it's, it's icky again the second she sees like uh, a rash on her skin which we we never really get an understanding of but it's kind of like Nina's uh stress kind of coming to life maybe she's scratching herself maybe she really is growing wings or something like that but it's
0: like a it's a tick it's a uh it's
1: a stem it's a a, it's a thing like that you know and she becomes like a tyrant and just like completely undresses her and drags her into the bathroom and starts clips her nails nails. god i hate it so much it's so bad this movie should have been nominated for some sort of like sound design type of award where it's just like Anytime like razors are involved or like scissors, it's like the loudest thing you've ever heard. Oh God. Like you've never heard scissors so loud in your entire like you life. You feel it in your soul.
0: Yeah. Um, it. You can feel it deep. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So Barbara Hershey hats off to her. Um, cool. Let's yeah. move on. Let's move on to the essay master himself, Vincent Castle or Cassell. Vincent? Cassell. what a creep. Hmm. He, uh, you know, ton of film, uh, French film credits. I, I haven't seen him in much else.
1: Um, I saw him in like season three of Westworld. He's uh, in season three of Westworld. I know him from like the oceans 11 movies. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. He, he plays like the, the French, um, burglar guy. Very um, fun. But man, he plays this role really well. He is the worst version of the boss who's like, we're all family. Um, (laughs) Don't fucking worry about HR. Just kind of let it out. Like, I'm going to kiss you, but it's for your own good.
0: It's Yeah, it's the boss that comes up behind you and rubs your shoulders.
1: Like, stop being weird about this. Like, why are you so uptight? Yeah, and
0: it's this is obviously way before the Me Too movement of it all and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, even still, like, you watch this and you're just like, this is... also, like, you know, you see all these pieces being hurled at Nina, mm-hmm. her mom, Toma, and then then uh, Mila Kunis we'll talk about in a minute. But, like, absolutely repressing her and keeping her stunted. I love the way that you said stunted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is taking adva- full advantage of her, which he's done before. He's done to other girls. But uh, he is so
1: predatory, creepy, overtly seductive, and just oozy. She doesn't have much or any experience with sex in terms of like in a relationship builder and the way he tries to introduce her to it is very much just as a tool to open her up. I mean, he obviously has like some sort of weird attraction to his dancers and he wants to get it where he can get it, but like the way he tells her to use sex is... Very much the wa- the wrong way you should introduce someone to sex in that way. It's very much like It's so bad. This is this is an instrument uh to to bring out your best self and not a way to like build a connection with someone.
0: Like the scene the scene when they're they're rehearsing it just them two, and he just starts just like making out with her and just grabbing her all over the place, and he's like, then now that's me seducing you mm-hmm. when it should be the other re- other way around.
1: It like it's it, sexy, but it's so just gross. It's masterful in the way that he makes everything her fault. <laughs> I know. God, everybody
0: is gaslighting the fuck out of Nina. And it's so heartbreaking. It's like I just want to dance. Can I just let me dance people? But <laughs> he, um, he is great in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a terrific antagonist, not quite the villain, but definitely not the good
1: guy at all. No, and he doesn't get a comeuppance, really. It's more that, like, she takes power in the relationship. I loved, I mean, not not that this is healthy in any way, but I loved the part where at the very end when she finally has, like, her Black Swan performance and she steps off stage and the entire crowd's going wild and she just, like, grabs him and, like, pulls him into a kiss. I wanted her to, like, end that and just kind of slap him a little bit and be like... Hey, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like walk back out on stage and dance. She
0: said it with her eyes. She didn't have yeah. to do anything else with it. But yeah, that, that's such a great scene too. Yeah, I, I wish he got he his- he loves it.
1: He loves getting slapped around a little bit by it.
0: The perfect comeuppance is as soon as like the end of the movie happens, like cops come and just like arrest him for just- No, that's His rap sheet not is happening. huge. <laughs> his huge rap sheet of just sexual assault. This is not a the movie board. where
1: your, your predatory <laughs> boss gets uh, fired or arrested.
0: Yeah, if this movie were to be made post-2016, absolutely, he would have gotten his comeuppance in some regard. Um, but yeah, so Barbara Hershey, Vincent Castle, crushing it. Let's move into Kunis
1: talk, Joe. Kunis, 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 Kunis. Christ, what a performance, you know? What, again, great casting, because um, this this is a movie that's about, like, doppelgangers, and she's very much like Natalie Portman's... Um, in her league in terms of, like, actresses uh, mm-hmm. being together. She's not as precise or, like, awarded as Natalie Portman has been before this, um, but mm-hmm. she's very much played more of, like, the the sexy character in certain uh, movies leading up to this. And that mm-hmm. kind of comes to a head in this movie, and they use these actresses and their uh, their... Personas, what they're known for very well although although natalie's i mean played a variety of characters in the past obviously sure Um, yeah but she's like uptight or anything in her career um but yeah the breadth of natalie portman's career versus Mm -hmm. mila
0: kunis's is is starkly different but yeah like you said it is almost mirror images of each other to a certain extent Mm -hmm. um but yeah like mila kunis has long black black Mm -hmm. hair you know and Natalie Portman usually has shorter kind of brown. You you kind of think of
1: Natalie as like a more serious actor, but Mila Kunis has more like charisma in her roles some Mm -hmm. of the times, um, which is, it's very evident here. Um, Obviously they're, 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 they're both, uh, it's, they're not vying for the same role. Like uh, Nina in the movie definitely has the role, uh, but it's almost her own, Paranoia that allows Mila to kind of just fall into place as her alternate. Yeah. Um. If she, if Natalie could just be a little bit more chill in this movie, like maybe they'd be fine. Yeah. But um, she can't get over the idea that this this other girl has something that she doesn't has something that she can't access. Um, and is therefore going to take this part from her. And on top of that, hallucinations obviously come into play, and uh, she becomes an unreliable narrator.
0: Yep, it's it's crazy, and I love that we take that seat just along with her. Um, I think it really would have kind of derailed the movie a little Mm -hmm. bit if you had the opposite perspective along with Nina's perspective. Mm -hmm. We stick with her, with her, you know, auditory, visual hallucinations, and we're like, what's real? What's reality? Did she actually kill? uh, Mila Kunis at the end did she not you know all of those things if it would have taken me out if you would have seen like this is what's actually happening like it's a person going into insanity mm-hmm. um so I love that we kind of
1: stuck just within the one lane no I mean uh, it, it it makes sense to have it from Natalie's um I keep switching between Natalie and Nina they're the same person um Natalie's perspective. Um, but like, you also feel for Natalie's character some of the times in terms of like her kind of thinking that Mila Kunis' character is annoying. Like I, I felt that a little bit. Like, uh, Mila Kunis comes in and to this like prestigious ballet house. Like late, you it's know, kind of like smoking and has like, uh, an, uh, an, an iPod, uh, earphone in and it's kind of just like get it disrespectful together. you're disrespectful. kind of too much of the cool girl and they all love her for that but she's also whenever you would hear her like laughing in the background whenever like natalie's trying to do something serious i was like yeah fuck this girl yeah um, like step it
0: up a little bit you know and uh, i i love the the scene when they go to the restaurant and she orders just like a burger like a greasy burger oh my and, god yeah and she don't even and care you know
1: that and natalie's like nibbling at a lettuce leaf
0: yeah like it's so sad um to to have that but yeah so i was you know originally and probably majority of the audience is is familiar with mila kunis from her role from that 70s show Mm -hmm. she's kind of a comedic role and also you know family guy and that kind of stuff but she started to take that turn towards more drama stepping into those different kind of acting chops with you know american psycho 2 did you ever see that one it's wild (laughs) it's weird (laughs) you can skip it um but another one that she did a couple years prior to this was Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm -hmm. And she's great in that movie as like the same kind of air to her of, um, effortlessness and letting go and living your true self, that kind of stuff.
1: She's a cool Uh, girl.
0: But apparently that role from Forgetting Sarah Marshall landed her this role. Aronofsky saw her in that and was like, that's, that's the girl that I need to be opposite, to be the black Swan, essentially, you know, the, uh, Antagonist.
1: I I also just realized that like the Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis pairing would come up again the next year. Do you know the whole thing with like no strings attached versus Friends with Benefits? Yeah, or, like yeah. the exact same movie, <laughs> but they yeah. came out at the exact same time. And yeah. Natalie's in one, and Mila's in another. That's yeah. So it's
0: it's the uh, uh, Deep Impact versus Armageddon <laughs> conversation. <laughs> it's. Uh, Empire Records versus uh, High Fidelity. It's High Barbie Fidelity. versus Op- Oppenheimer. <laughs> of our time. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Cool. Let's hop into the Portman of it all. Let's give her her moment and her shine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely deserved the Oscar. Absolutely deserved the Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. Um, really stepped it up in this role. Uh, this is one, one of the, the main top tier things. When I think of her, I think of this movie right um not star wars not garden state you know it's this for me it's it's top tier it's upper echelon
1: it's obviously such a physically demanding role and you can tell like they push their bodies to unhealthy degrees in order to uh have the body of ballerinas her back muscles in this uh movie are insane Um, and there's there's like an interesting like little tidbit with the oscars story um for her role is like there was some controversy around how much credit should be given to her dancing body double mm. in this movie um because again like going back to like how much of this movie is subtle cgi there's certain sequences where her face is like uh grafted on the body of like an actual dancer in this right sense. Um, when she's like, they're doing like the full body dancing, and she's kind of twirling around. That's that's maybe not Natalie Portman, although she did a lot of the dancing. Uh,
0: she absolutely, absolutely did. Yeah, both her and Mila Kunis did months and months and months of training and mm-hmm. crazy crash course dieting and exercise and stuff like that. Like, fucking, yeah. like, I think I saw Nina. Uh, Nina uh, Mila Kunis got down to like a hundred and ten pounds, which it, is just like it's odd. not great. It's not it's great. It's not great. But I do kind of appreciate that. And I kind of wish like in this modern time, um, it's starting to become less of the norm, or at least more people are talking about it of just the <laughs> physical toll that it takes on actors to achieve these types of mm-hmm. um, physiques
1: for movies, you know, um it's it's Robert Pattinson and Batman uh, not wanting to have like this shredded body or anything.
0: yeah, it's like just be real for a second, yeah, let's <laughs> let's end the superhero body, that kind of thing
1: yeah um, uh, but I, I I think regardless of that, I think. Natalie Portman's performance really shines in the non-dancing aspects of the movie uh, yeah. either way. So I I, I would still give her the Oscar for this movie. I
0: she think. absolutely, like, perfectly encapsulates that timid meekness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one shot, uh, I don't think it was in the trailer, but she's practicing by herself and the lights turn off and she goes to run around the corner. And just the delivery of the, like, I'm still working here is so... It's-
1: She's like, this tiny
0: child trapped at the bottom of
1: a well for this. God, whole movie.
0: it's so good though. Mm-hmm. And that makes the, like her descent
1: into madness and darkness. So compelling. And the, and the parts, the parts where she's dancing and you're watching her face, like the performance comes through and whether or not whenever, like she, there's, there's several moments in the movie where she dances the black swan part and you kind of have to judge whether or not she's doing it correctly. And her face is what tells it. Like uh, so many of the beginning parts of the movie, she's like completely fearful and uncomfortable. She's trying to you can tell she's like concentrating on precision and landing these moves. And then at the very end, when she's actually finally performing it, she's uh, escaping into it. You can tell like the you can see the confidence uh, on her face uh, and her uh, her body responding to that instead of the other way around.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, uh like towards the beginning, you know, she's kind of like looking around the room for approval at mm-hmm. some points, but also too she's very internal of like I need to stick this move and I need to land this perfectly. And but like at the end yeah like you said when she's wearing the contacts, um she's just she is the black swan.
1: It's so great. It's so great cuz um it, you, you, there's the mental transformation into the black swan and then there's obviously the physical bit that comes into play here, physical in terms of like yeah, she's probably hallucinating, but like um there's very much like black swan transformation happening on screen. Um and the subtle ways that like they kind of show uh CGI or maybe makeup button uh, mm-hmm. uh, bumps on her skin that uh, eventually become feathers in this amazing ah. sequence where she's like twirling on stage and it's just like sprouting out of her. That uh, scene
0: I love that. That scene in particular is just You know, pardon the pun, it is goosebump inducing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you seeing that when she, um, so it's like after she kills Mila Kunis, and she comes on stage, and she has the veil on and her eyes are red, Mm -hmm. and she is encapsulated by the character, she comes off stage for a second, she takes off the thing, and she's doing this weird you can see it's almost like possession, right? Mm -hmm. You can see her just like, kind of just like breathing deeper and heavier. And she's just kind of like looking around. She becomes more animalistic. Yeah. She's very animalistic. Right. And she's just like looking for sex and she's looking for the next move. And that's what, that's the kind of feeling that I get. And then like the, the animated trill of the goosebumps and the goose flesh coming all across her and she's Mm -hmm. becoming the black swan. And that's when she goes out and she does the twirls and the feathers appear and then the 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 uh, crescendo right and she lands and she sticks the last move and her f- wings pop out oh, and then that's... they have this pull away shot from the um, audience's perspective and she's normal right mm-hmm. but the shadow on the back
1: of the wall is still has the feathers and it's so that.
0: fucking good
1: yeah so good yeah um, there's i mean there's there's that performance part and then there's there's kind of wackier transformative moments throughout the movie that kind of border on comedic. Um, I mean, this this isn't a comedic movie, but there were moments where I kind of laughed uh, when Nona was kind of part of that. Um, but there's there's a moment where like her neck gets really long, like a swan. There's a moment where like her legs kind of bend, bend backwards, backwards, and she gets like goose feet uh, a little bit. Like it's it's all just very it's it's zany in, in a way.
0: It gets a um, little wacky,
1: and it's that's horrific. Like it's it's horror, but it's also just like what what the fuck are we watching? What did I
0: just see? <laughs> this yeah. has never been put to screen before. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one moment that I do remember that I love so much, and I'll never forget it. It's uh, they're on on the last performance. and They're performing it live, and she's uh, still doing the white swan dance. She's still kind of unsure about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she's hallucinating, obviously, still, and it causes her to fuck up with her dance partner, and he drops her right on her knee. <laughs> the gasp that you gasped okay. in the theater was so loud, Joe. <laughs> I it was amazing. I was the
1: only one who responded to that. Joe, she lands it's on this the ground. Bone cracking sound. And Joe goes, oh,
0: in the and theater, then, and it's the loudest thing you've ever heard.
1: And then the her her dance partner just goes, what the fuck. <laughs> It's, it's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: whatever. I was really into it. Joe uh, was just invested and he loved it so
1: much. I will so never cool. forget
0: that moment. It was so good.
1: Great movie. You can, you can really see like how it became kind of a hit. It's, it's, it's such a fun watch in a way. It's such a fun thing to show people.
0: Yeah. Um. Cool. Let's, let's hop into the, the final bit here and talk about the themes and let's have our, let's have our little queer corner. And we'll, then we'll wait, do it. hang on, hang on let's yeah, let's yeah. end
1: with career corner tell me tell me tell me about your cocktail here for
0: Ooh, a second. yeah this is uh, what uh, what we're calling a blackberry swan okay yeah so this is uh, muddled blackberries and other just random berries that we had around the house but mostly blackberries uh, sparkle syrup because it's pride obviously mm-hmm. uh, an empress gin get your empress on um, and lime juice and it's this like Dark purple, mm. fruity, ginny, delicious,
1: a- aphrodisiacal, or something. Like yeah,
0: that. I feel sexier when I drink this, and it's, it's only two in the afternoon.
1: You look sexy. It looks tasty. Um, I have um a, a bit of a a Darren Aronofsky cocktail that is experimental and up for interpretation. <laughs> um, I'm calling it the Mina, Mila Kunis Club Special, and okay. the uh, the uh, recipe is any little cocktail you want, plus a little something secret in there uh, that you don't tell people about. There may or uh, not be drugs. in Dang, Rufy your your coworker, but like that would uh, you know fall into this recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I do love that scene when they're at the at the club. Um, she clearly sees that she's drugging her drink. Yeah. She, and like, she's just like, it's fine.
1: Was Mila Kunis about to drug her? Like, what's happening? But, like, they, they both know that there's a drug in there. And then she's like, fuck it. Like, I'll, I'll throw it back. Whatever. She's like,
0: just a couple hours, right? And she's like, yes, yeah, yeah. no big deal. Let's go fucking it. Right. they talk it.
1: about it. But, like, what if she hadn't seen it? I don't know.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of paints Mila, obviously, in a bad in a worse light. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that scene is great. The whole bar scene, going to the dance club, and then leading to their erotic encounter, mm-hmm. which leads us into Queer Corner here. Mm. Joe, so one of the main themes that I wanted to talk about is just like closeted homosexuality is that Mm. this is present throughout the movie, right? Nina obviously is rejecting advances from um, Mm Toma, you know, uh, other than trying to further her role. She does not seem interested in him at all, Mm -hmm. not interested in sex at all. It it seems, you know, he asks her if she's a virgin and you can kind of tell she's maybe lying or telling the truth but it's not important to her at all. So maybe there's some kind of asexuality thing kind of going on there too, but also uh, a scene that stands out to me is towards the end uh, during the performance, you can see Mila Kunis's character on the wings kind of like flirting with her dance partner. She goes and grabs his junk right Mm -hmm. in front of her. Um, And you can see that Nina is seething with like jealous rage but not for her partner because she doesn't give a fuck about him. She wants to be
1: with Mila Kunis. It's 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 queer anger. It's queer repression. Um, when I was um, so like it's 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 our it's our Pride miniseries. I spent some time kind of thinking about like the queer themes in this movie, and um, you think about like queerness, and uh, a lot of it has to do with like, the act of sex and sex, but, like, uh, you try to, like, separate it a little bit, you know? Like, it doesn't always have to be sex, um, as this movie very much shows. So um, there's there's something um, very queer, and I'm, I'm specifically saying queer and not, like, gay or lesbian or bisexual, just, like, uh, uh, the idea of, like, her not meeting the expectations of, like, societal norms, right? right. When it comes to... Sex, but when it also just comes to her relationships with other people yeah. and with herself, um, it's it it comes off as very queer. And there's like a there's a pressure there, there's a paranoia there, there's pressure to act normal in society um that she's having to deal with throughout this film. Uh, you can see it when she's like talking with Tomas, and he's like he's like you're saying, like he's asking her about sex and she kind of lies about it. Um lying about sex is like the queerest thing you can do. <laughs> um <laughs> And then there's, uh, there's something, uh, queer about having to, like, maintain this straight, serious personality and not being able to, like, show this true emotion the way you want to show it. Right. uh, Repression. Instead, instead having to, like, imitate it, uh, as best you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but then you, like, I... Again, like I'm, I'm, I'm not a queer scholar in any way. This is all, it's all very. <laughs> level. We're doing. That's like- funny.
0: That's what I have you in my phone as, like Joe Murphy, queer scholar.
1: Uh, the, the the queer scholar of the group. Now, um, <laughs> it's you. You can think about queerness in terms of repression, which is very much um, very present. Portman's character, but then there's also queerness in terms of like liberation, which is more Kunis' character, who is somewhat queer in this movie as well. Like she's, she's open to it. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and so there's kind of two sides of the coin uh, all told through the guise of like this theatrical production, which is yay as fuck.
0: <laughs> right. It's, it's ballet, you know, yeah. like what, what, what more do you want? Yeah. Um. But yeah, so like the way she's lusting after Lily at some points, but also just kind of just like seeking comfort, mm-hmm. you know, the way I love the way that she kind, when the drugs start to hit, and they're in the bar and she just like nuzzles up to her It's really mm-hmm. sweet. It's kind of a sweet moment. And I kind of like, even though it's drug induced, it's really sweet. And you can tell that she just like
1: uh longs to be her she in a won't. sense. Yeah, she she longs to feel something physical in her body that isn't related to attaining perfection through ballet. Yeah. Um, And everything in her life, every touch she has, like everything she feels has been related to ballet mm-hmm. and not just like being to a person, being a human being. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's so, uh, it's heartbreaking in that regard. Mm. Oh, um, so and, and then, um, so like there, her hallucinated love fantasy scene that she has with Mina is so incredibly sexy
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so just raw. Um, and so this is, I want to be her in that moment. I mm-hmm. It's it's not like a, a, a hetero straight kind of thing of like hey it's two chicks getting it on that's hot you it's recognize like, like the feeling yeah it's just like oh my god like that is so hot <laughs> I want to be Nina in that moment you know it's just like she's just it's it's being it's a movie devoured.
1: about queer queer longing between characters queer longing between the audience and the screen all this all this longing
0: yeah it's great uh, and then just like the, just the scene when she picks her head up. Mila Kunis picks her head up and she just like does this. Just oh, like,
1: the sound design in that scene too, like she is like slurping at you. Like <laughs> this is gushy. uh, uh it's, it's, it's sticky. It's wet. It's uh, very
0: raw. It is, tr- it is true and weird. honest. It's wild. All right. So yeah. last big thing I wanted to talk about in terms of theme is just yeah, yeah. mental illness, mm-hmm. mental um, instability and all that kind of stuff. There are elements of bipolar disorder, disassociative identity disorder, other mental illnesses, OCD, uh, codependency, all that kind of stuff is super present, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, more so explored I found historically in queer movies.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Um, uh, the, the more hetero straight movies are afraid to kind of explore those. It's
1: it's against the norm. It's it's yeah. going outside of societal expectations of what your, your mental state and your sexuality should be.
0: Yeah. And so I think this movie does a really good job of kind of shining the light on a breadth of these kinds of things. And it gets conversation started, I think, of mm-hmm. like, you know, codependency of like, what does it mean to be truly supportive of somebody else versus pushing them into a thing? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to repress your own feelings versus explore them? To, you know, I, I loved you brought up, you know, like mirroring yourself after somebody else to fit in. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've done that 100 percent a bunch of times. I've been a chameleon of sorts mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like different social groups and stuff like that.
1: Having a different personality based on who you're talking to. God,
0: right. Like before you get to the point where you turn 33 or whatever and you're just like, oh, God, like I'm actually <laughs> this is who I am and, and you love it.
1: That and like uh, really striving uh, into one area to achieve perfection in the hopes that it kind of distracts people from asking you about your personal life. So queer.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's that. There's elements of like autism and Mm -hmm. uh, physical stems and stuff like that, like with the back scratch and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This movie is just filled to the brim with, um, you know, uh, genetic kind of mental disorders that you can clearly see from her mom you know she's obsessed like with her room just filled with all those art pieces that are like halfway done or kind of started i don't even know how to interpret that really dark (laughs) kind of stuff and you can tell that she's passed on a lot of that kind of stuff to nina and it's Mm -hmm. really sad just not
1: not being able to understand or attain certain emotions but also making up for it by like really diving into other emotions um, yeah as well
0: just destructive in, or an imbalance
1: internal imbalance there yeah and it ultimately just destroys the individual at the end right like n- practically none of this is resolved i mean she breaks away from her mom a little bit quite violently um it's not a great uh way to do that but then like she she's still striving for perfection she doesn't recognize that like the real way to win this situation is to maybe fucking quit the ballet. Um, But the answer was in front of her all along. She like she cannot get away from this obsession with like doing this perfect dance is going to fix all my problems. Um, And she maybe maybe the worst part of this movie is that she does. uh, She kind of says that she touches perfection at the end. And so you can kind of tell like if she survives the last scene of this movie where she's bleeding out on the stage because she stabbed herself. She's going to be chasing that for forever. Um, Chasing that high, you can't do it. She's probably not getting better after this.
0: No, she probably won't dance again. Uh, (laughs) And then did she actually really stab uh, Winona Ryder in the hospital? We don't know. Who knows? Could Uh, Could the cops be waiting for her and Vincent Castle at the end? We'll never know. But I think this movie, so the story of Nina and everybody else, mirrors, obviously, the story of Black Swan. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the other, there's the duality, there's these two prince kind of characters, male characters kind of pushing one way or another corruption, all that kind of stuff we talked about. But ultimately at the end, the black swan kills herself. Mm-hmm. So it can be interpreted that like maybe she does die in the end and it is the white very- swan kills herself. Oh, that's right. Like, the, the white swan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I so, don't,
1: I don't know in the story of like the actual like black swan or Swan Lake, God. Um, Black Swan's in the movie. Yep. Are there actually two swans at play, or is it literally one swan that gets kind of corrupted and then comes back to being white? Um, Yeah,
0: I don't know what what, what it is. I know traditionally in the ballet, it is one dancer doing the same, doing both dances kind of a thing, but playing like the twin uh, Mm -hmm. of sorts. So, you know, I've read one interpretation of like she's embracing, like the white swan dies, so the black swan can live as the title. She is embracing both sides so she'll come out at the end better she killed off her old self you know mm-hmm. either that or she really did just stab herself in the gut and it's just not
1: great <laughs> i mean and you think like it's 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 not healthy to be the white swan it's not healthy to be the black swan maybe the black swan is the is the better of two evils here um the mm-hmm. lesser of two evils i don't know um, yeah i want but- this. C- Let's it, have the sequel. Apartment. She, she's moving out at the end, at the very least. That's that's a good step, Nina.
0: She told her mom. She said, I'm moving out. She didn't
1: yeah. actually kill Mila Kunis. That's also a good step.
0: Right, yeah. So that way Mila can have the sequel, Grey Swan, <laughs> pregnant with Sebastian Stan's baby.
1: It's just a rom-com. It's And it's just a rom-com. It's just Remember a silly- Remember when I used to do the ballet and that crazy shit happened?
0: Anyway, now I run my own Abercrombie and Fitch store. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah.
1: franchising
0: Gray Swan coming to a theater near you uh, Joe any other final closing thoughts or call outs you wanted to have before we jump into the end games here fun
1: movie fun viewing experience we should really uh, be taking advantage of the plaza wherever we can
0: this was the third time we've seen a movie in person mm-hmm. um, and I think it's I think we're doing it right every so often so it doesn't become just like the thing that we do but yeah, we, we'll should definitely, cool. we should definitely take more advantage of that
1: it's yes. great. Cause like, I also don't have the chance to like take notes as I'm watching the movie. So my notes are a little bit more improvised and raw a little yeah. bit. And I you let like the whole written down right now.
0: Yeah. You let the whole experience wash over you as opposed to being on your couch when you can pause it and go to the bathroom or, mm. you know, you get your phone out or whatever. It's great. Um, cool. Yeah. So black Swan had a hell of a time. I love that we got to go see it, it or that I got to see it at the plaza again. Mm. Uh, it just fit. It felt right. Um, Cool. So one of my favorite things, uh, we're in the end games now, by the way, Joe, I hope you're ready. Uh, one of my favorite themes from this movie is duality, uh-huh. right? It is black versus white, good versus evil, um, all that kind of stuff. And it's, and it's super prevalent in every aspect of the movie. Um, so I played with that theme. And uh, I'm coming at you with a game I'm calling. Well, I won't tell you because it's at the end of it. But here we go. I hope you're ready. Oh, God. That's right, Joe. We're playing Joey the homophone player. <laughs> what the fuck? Joe, we're playing like, a word game.
1: Tchaikovsky.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Uh, so uh, audio listeners, um, I wrote that piece. I knew I wanted to do a riff on Swan Lake, the main thing. So I just kind of got into the studio and kind of just ripped that out. And I let Ryan, my wife, listen to it. And she's like, you know what this is giving me? This is giving me Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibes. And I was like, yeah. yes, that's exactly what I was going for. Um, and so I kind of took the logo of Buffy and made Joey the homophone player. That's Homophobic what we're going to do.
1: Right. Okay, let's get into it.
0: Yeah, homophone, Joe. We're playing a word game. So, Joe, in case you aren't familiar, which I know you are, but a homophone is a group of words that have a similar sound but okay. are spelled differently, like the number eight and eight, like I ate food. You know? gotcha. although that is not to be confused with a homonym, which are words that both uh, uh, sound the same and are spelled the same ring yeah. and ring, you know, a physical ring versus like you ring a bell. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, or a homograph, which are words that are spelled the same, but have different sounds, bass and bass. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Just to throw you off. But uh, we're playing a game about homophones or so homophones. Can be spelled different, but they sound the same. Yep. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a phrase, a short phrase or a list of words, that kind of thing. And I want you to give me the example. So I'm going to give you the first one. We'll walk through it together so you understand. So if I were to say to you, a couple of shapely fruits, Hmm? I would want the answer to be a pair
1: of pears. Oh, it's very, wait, wait, don't tell me. Very much so. Okay, Okay. You You with me? A pair of pears, yes.
0: Okay, so that's one of ten. So no, we got God. nine left. Okay. Okay, so Joe, I'm going to say to you, a nude, cave-dwelling, woodland animal. A bear bear. A bear bear, you got it. All right, uh, Joe gets the check mark for that one. Uh, an armored warrior in the dark. <laughs>
1: uh, a knight at night?
0: Yeah, there you go. You did it. Okay. All right. Uh, they are gonna get harder as we progress. Oh my god,
1: I'm so scared. An average aircraft. An average aircraft. Um a, a plane plane. Plane plane. You got it. <laughs> Yo, you're doing so good. I'm giggling with you. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: all right. Here we go. To abscond with an alloy. To abscond with an alloy. Steel steel. There you go. Steel steel. Joe, you're crushing it right now. I'm so good. So good. I'm gonna
0: get an A. I'm gonna uh, be perfect. I can be perfect. Um <laughs>
1: a flirty pond fish. A flirty pond. See, this is where, like, I'm I'm not gonna know because we're getting into actual names here. Um a flirty pond fish. Oh, a koi koi. Koi koi. There you go.
0: You got a you got a wide berth of of uh vocabulary, don't you?
1: I don't, but oh, wow. I use what I have well. I know, you do.
0: Uh, a high-ranking yellow vegetable piece.
1: Yellow vegetable piece?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: High-ranking yellow vegetable piece. Oh, <laughs> Colonel, Colonel. Colonel, Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me off with vegetable. That <laughs> yeah. was like a squash squash? Mm-hmm. Squish squash.
0: Um, here we go. This is Ryan's favorite. Um, stabbed pumpkin, stabbed pumpkin, gourd, 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 <laughs> gourd, gourd. All right, uh, two more. Here we go. Uh, a reasonable taxi trip. Um, a fair, fair, a fair, fair. Last one. Here we go. The hardest one. Oh God. Entire void.
1: Entire void. Um. Entire. Void? Hang on, hang on, hang on. 10 seconds. No, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm banking all the time I saved on the other ones. Okay. Um, (laughs) Entire void. (laughs) Um,
0: 10 seconds?
1: Something with like lot or space. You can you can stand to miss one. Here, y- give me the first one, and I'll try to get the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fell for it too. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't have it. I don't have it. We're looking for hole. Oh goddammit. it! That's good. That's good. Uh, you are the home player. Your your audio is going in and out. Hang on. Try that's okay. It's okay. You're back. You're back. You're back. It's okay. a whole hole. It's a whole
0: hole. You are the homophone player, Joe. Welcome. Well done, Joey. The homophone player. That was s- wonderful,
1: Justin. I'm going to send that go. to you. Yeah. uh Gangers.
0: Yeah, we're going to add that to the uh, Instagram stories uh, in a couple days after we launch this episode. Uh, so be on the lookout for it. Uh, to, well, you, you already know the answers, but
1: who cares? Some some people might not have listened yet.
0: Maybe we'll give you new ones. Ooh. You know. You know. Uh, Ryan helped me out with that, so maybe she'll come up with new ones and just
1: like fuck everybody over. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Um. So that was Black Swan. Joe, we did it. Black Swan. Justin, I am. I'm always continuously happy with the the picks that you have. They fill in like major gaps in my culture. Like I. I, I have always wanted to watch social network. I always wanted to watch black Swan and it just like, it feels like that particular time period just like passed me by a little bit. I never really went back to it. And so I'm yeah. really glad to fill in these like late 2000, early 2010s gaps,
0: these gaping entire voids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the whole. Let's, let's fill them in. Um, it is pride after all. So here we go. <laughs> uh yeah so that was episode one of our mini series joe do you want to give a little teaser as to what we're going to do
1: next week yeah yeah we're the week after i don't know we are going to end i know we're doing this super early so we have like five weeks to figure this out um we're going (laughs) to end pride uh mini series with a a slightly lighter fare um uh with my pick which i also saw for the first time at the plaza way back when it is Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. So we Amazing. will be talking about drag. Amazing! I uh, can't wait. I'm gonna do a RuPaul song. Such a fun movie, and um, I can't wait for you to experience it.
0: I'm 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 really excited too because like I uh, am a fairly
1: like in the past several years uh, just got onto the drag race bandwagon, and I've never seen Drag Race. So you're gonna you're gonna have to like bring that to the episode.
0: Oh, yeah. Because uh, this, this movie, that movie's from like 1993? Mm hmm. I RuPaul like cameo, too. Oh, my God. That's per- yeah. that's perfect. Great. So I'll bring like the, the nuggets. I'll bring the nugs and we'll just have a good time with it. RuPaul's drag name in this movie is the best thing I've ever heard. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Cool. So stay on the lookout for that, y'all. Uh, at UCU Podcast for all the latest happenings. Uh, remember to like, review, and subscribe. Uh, tell your friends, tell your mom. Tell your uptight, tell your, tell your sworn coworker enemy who may be a hallucination. Yeah, tell them. Just write it on a piece of paper and slide it to them, and uh, they'll they'll come check us out. The uncultured cinematic universe. This is great. We'll catch you guys next time. See ya. Happy Pride. Stay safe out there.
1: Happy Pride, y'all. Bye. Bye.
0: God, that song still slaps every time. See y'all.